Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Tim Thompson, the color commentator for Vanderbilt Men's Basketball. This show is sponsored by the Well Coffee House, which is a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roasted coffee along with its house-made pastries, breakfast and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area, Brentwood, Green Hills, downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more information at wellcoffeehouse.org. The Well Coffee House, where coffee changes lives. We thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news is presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, Call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt takes on Florida this Saturday in men's basketball. The game tips off at Memorial Gym at 730 Central. The guest line presented by Bowling Branch started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I love Bowling Branch's sheets and use them myself every night. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress, which was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Tim Thompson joins us. Tim is the color commentator for Vanderbilt men's basketball. Tim was in Lexington to see Vanderbilt lose to Kentucky on Wednesday night. Tim, thank you for joining us. How are you? Doing well, yeah. I don't think anyone expected uh, kind of what we saw last night. Um, you know, I, I thought they, I thought the guys really gave a great effort. Um, but again, you're playing in Rupp Arena against some extremely talented team. And, you know, it's like I've, I've always said, we don't have any margin for error. You, you, you know, you make two or three mistakes against a team, you know, like Kentucky uh, and like the team that we have, all of a sudden two or two, two mistakes turn in, turns into eight points and then you lose your lead and crowd gets into it and that kind of thing. So it was, um, but I, I tell you, they kept fighting just all the way till the end for sure. Well, the thing you and I talked about off podcast before this was that that's the first time I think either of us have thought since they lost Neath Smith that they showed some potential to maybe get a win before this season's done. Well, yeah, I mean, you you really you sit there and you and you think, um, you know, just from a conference standpoint, um, you lose a guy like Neath Smith, and if you look at the stats, um, Neath Smith is has one game on there. And of course his scoring average is 18 and that kind of thing. And so I've, when I do stats and all that kind of stuff, I I don't even look at the overall yearly stats anymore with this team, because we're not that team because we don't have Neesmith and we don't have um, Cleavon. We, the team that we are is the team that the conference game stats uh, say we are. And, you know, you look at, you know, say we're about a, a 50 point team. The thing that's scary right now is just how poorly we're shooting the basketball from outside. You know, you look at 22% from the three point line and 35% from, you know, from field goal. And, you know, that's, that's not going to win you any games. Um, but I will say that I thought 
um, Dylan DeSue put on a performance last night um, that I they're going to look at that kid and say, you know, that that kid's really going to be good for Vanderbilt by the time he's, you know, mid sophomore junior year, he, you know, he had 13 points, 11 rebounds, and he had five blocks, which a couple of those blocks were like elite kind of blocks. Um, so um, again, I, you know, I think you have to be encouraged by what you saw last night, but again, you know, we, we didn't win. And I don't think coach Stackhouse or anybody on the staff wants any kind of moral victories, but again, it, it, it was a, it was a really good showing um, in Rupp Arena. You and I talked about DeSue before the podcast. You said that it, for part of the game, he was the best player on the floor. It sure looked that way, at least during the stretch he was out there. Um, that block that turned into the dunk or the layup on the other end that, where he goes up and basically catches the layup and slings it yeah. to Saban for points on the other end, that was one of those plays that makes you sit up and take some notice. Yeah, I mean, and and I said something to Joe on the radio last night while we were doing the game. There was a stretch where, you know, Dylan knocked down, you know, a three-pointer. I think he had a spin move to the basket. He, you know, had three rebounds in a row. And then he, he makes a block shot by Saban. And it was that three, three-and-a-half-minute stretch where I just felt like he was the best player on the floor. And that's that's saying a lot when you're playing Kentucky in Rupp Arena with all those five-star kids that they have on the floor. Um, but, you know, he's a, he's a great kid. He's 6'9", probably has a seven-foot wingspan. Um, he intercepted a cross-court pass last night that, I, I mean, just kind of out of the blue, all of a sudden, you know, his big long arm just went up and just bang, grabbed it. And, you know, it was going, it was going the other way. So um, I think what I saw with him putting the basketball on the floor last night was encouraging because, you know, the scouting report on him is, Hey, the guy can really shoot the basketball from the perimeter, make him put the, the ball on the deck and make him drive, make him do spin moves, that kind of thing. And he's starting to prove to people that, you know, that scouting report um, will get you in trouble because now he's able to put the basketball on the floor. I thought from television, a foul or two that he picked up were nitpicky. You know, do I think that was the difference in them winning or losing the game? No, but I think when he was out late, that's when Kentucky made the run basically to win the game. And that's the other thing is I understand what Jerry Stackhouse was trying to do, but I thought maybe he should have brought him back a little sooner. What were your thoughts on those two issues? Well, Personally, and I, I told you this personally, I that fourth foul that Dylan guy, Scotty Pippen, because I thought when they threw the ball into to Richards, I thought Pippen had him like wrapped up a little bit, and and all of a sudden the whistle blows, and I even said I said that's a foul on Scotty Pippen. Well, next thing you know, they 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 give it to Dylan, and I think the coaching staff was shocked too because they made him go to the monitor and, and ask him for sure is that who you called it on. And they went to the monitor and looked and they said, yeah, it's a, it's a foul on Dylan. Now I didn't, I was on the baseline and I don't know whether he grabbed the, uh, Richard's arm or what he did, but one of the officials saw it that way. I mean, personally, what I saw was Scotty Pippen trying to wrap him up and they, they ended up, you know, calling the foul on, on Dylan for his fourth foul. So they had to, they had to sit him. So, but I mean, also, you know, Chris, you, you look, we, we're not deep 
on the bench at all. I mean, you look at uh, Jordan Wright didn't play till eight minutes left in the game. That he didn't he didn't even get in the game, so they didn't utilize him as a bench player. So when you take him out of the ro- the mix, the rotation now all of a sudden you know you've got a really really short bench to try to play forty minutes against a really really tough Kentucky team. Let's talk about the streak a minute. Did you ever think you would see the day where Vanderbilt lost this many games in a row in the league? No, because, you know, I always felt like, you know, Vanderbilt's always shooters. I mean, they've always had two, three, four guys that could really make perimeter shots. And in today's game, you've got to have those kids. Um, Or you have to have such an inside presence. I mean, you look at Kentucky – I mean, they've got a couple kids that can shoot the ball quickly, you know, is, is a pretty uh, good outside shooter. Um, that really keeps you honest. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that Vanderbilt struggles with is, you know, they don't really have an inside presence down low at the block where they can go to try to get baskets. And then, you know, their, their perimeter shooting, you look at the stats, you know, 20%, 22%. That tells you that, you know, we don't have guys that are really knockdown shooters. Now, can we make some outside shots? Yeah, like we did last entire game. We don't have knockdown shooters that you automatically think are going to jump up and, and knock shots down. And I think that's where we've got to get. Um, but because of all the perimeter shooters that we've had over the years, we've always been able to win games based on the fact that we've been we've, we've been able to make three-pointers, you know, whether it's 12 three-pointers or 17 three-pointers in a situation where we can offset maybe our, our lack of interior game, but we don't, we don't have that this year. And we didn't, we didn't really have it. We really didn't have it last year. Once Garland got hurt, we had Aaron, but halfway through the season last year, they were double teaming him, taking him out of the game. Wasn't scoring the basketball, that kind of thing. But, you know, now, you know, Aaron Smith goes out and basically, and, you know, Scotty's jumped up and made a couple, but for the most part, um, we don't have knockdown perimeter shooters. You are pretty well connected with a lot of alums in the Vanderbilt basketball community. What's the thought right now, the direction of the program? It really, it's, it's kind of a wait and see. You've got, you know, coach, that is a first-year coach. He's never coached in college. And, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, he showed last night that, I mean, I thought he did some good things, um, you know, from a play-calling standpoint, that kind of thing. Um, but I think everyone, if you know basketball, if you've been around basketball, I've always said you got to have dudes and recruit guys that can play at this level. Because – you know, I, I think Jerry's done a really good job from an X and O standpoint of putting guys in the position to to get shots and that kind of thing. We just don't. We've had guys that just haven't executed on that. You know, they've been put in a position, but they they just don't execute. So I think what the Vanderbilt alumni basketball players are looking at is, hey, we get, we got an inside presence and that kind of thing, and then some of those things take care of themselves. Because when you can shoot the basketball from the perimeter, like most every Vanderbilt team has done for 50 years, you can, I mean, you can make up for some mistakes 
and for some lack of athletic ability and, and those kind of things. So I, I think that's where the, you know, the people that had played basketball at Vanderbilt, the recruiting process of who we're going to bring in and, and, you know, how we're going to, you know, how we're going to modify the offense around guys that can really shoot the basketball and that kind of thing. Let's go into the mailbag, which is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan, Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood. If you are looking for a one-stop shop to take care of your insurance needs, Josh has you covered. Please give him a call today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or at facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give Josh a try. Tell him you heard about it on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Mr. Vandy says, how good do you think Dylan DeSue can become during his career at Vanderbilt? Oh, gosh. You know, I was talking about that with a buddy of mine this morning. And, you know, personally, I think if he develops, and again, we talked about this, being able to put the basketball on the floor, um, I think he could be a pro. I really do. I think he can shoot it from deep. Um, his length is crazy scary. Um, we saw that last night in some, a couple of the blocks that he had. And, you know, he, he's, he's one of those guys that with his length, he tips back, he tips balls in passing lanes that normal guys just can't get their hands on because of how long his arms are and that kind of thing. But I, you know, I'm, and I'm, I may be overstating it right now, but I think the kid is, you know, he, and he's a hard enough worker you know, he's got a, he's got a pro body. If he puts on some weight and some muscle, I think he's got a chance that he potentially could play. <clears throat> he could play in the league. You know, we're trying to find some positives because it's been a miserable year and those topics have been discussed, but I do look at what Jerry has done with this roster. You see Dylan DeSue coming on. You saw Aaron Neesmith had really improved since last year. You see Saban Lee, I think has gotten better and has found a role to really become a good player in the league. Now, he needs – Saban's a kid that's going to need talent around him or else it's he's not going to be the lead dog. But in terms of what he can be for them, I think that you've seen Saban, when he's had guys around him, has been very good. I think Scottie Pippen's a good offensive player. I do find encouragement in the player development into things because I think Jerry Stackhouse has done a pretty good job with that so far. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think – you know, you're in a situation where I think they've developed over the years. And, you know, the one thing I've always said, <clears throat> with, especially with freshmen, with Dylan and, and, and Scotty, you know, we don't have to worry about it really with Saban because he's a junior and he's been through the, you know, grind and all that kind of stuff. Usually these freshmen kind of hit a wall, you know, about this time through the SEC season because, you know, back a year ago they were playing high school and they weren't playing as many games and the practices weren't in t- as intense and the games weren't as physical and all that kind of stuff. And they, they tend to kind of mentally and physically just kind of hit that wall. And, you know, like when the way Dylan played last night and even Scotty, the way he played last night, I, I haven't really seen that yet. Now, Again, it may it might happen in two games. I don't know, but um, you know that's encouraging that both of them are continuing to play at a pretty pretty high level. Um, the one thing you worry about is you, you worry about a guy like Saban, who just plays a lot of minutes. And when he plays, 
the dude just, I mean, he goes 110%. I, I just call him a warrior. That's what I call him. That's, that's the way he plays. He's so competitive and, and, you know, he just, he wants to win so badly. And, you know, when does, when does his tank start to get a little empty as well? Because, you know, you, you almost can't afford to not have him in the game. And so um, you got to be, I think, strategic a little bit about resting guys and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I think, yeah, I think Jerry's done a good job of, you know, getting those kids improvement and that kind of thing. We saw it last night. Door King says, if Vanderbilt has Cleavon Brown, does it win at Kentucky? No. I mean, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think, I mean, Cleavon would have helped, but I don't, I don't think Cleavon, you know, probably would have made that much of a difference. Um, you know, Nick Richards, I think, is probably the, you know, maybe the best post player in the SEC. Um, and we'd had another five fouls to, on him. Now, again, the, the one thing that that hurt us last night was when Educate was on him and they were setting those, you know, they, they ran the plays and all of a sudden, boom, here comes the rear screen from the low block to the free throw line where Nick Richards was, you know, and all of a sudden he spins, edge gets rear screened, and nobody puts a body on Nick Richards. If somebody just bumps him, like the weak side, the guy on the weak side right there, um, when he makes that spin and can get in the lane and just bump him off balance a little bit, um, then it, then he doesn't probably dunk the basketball those two or three times that he did, you know, down the stretch. Um but I, last night, I don't. I'm not sure if if Cleavon would have made enough of a difference for for us to win the game. Any sense on when he's coming back? I know that you had said a couple of weeks ago that you felt like, based on the injury and the timeline, it was about mid February. Have you heard any more? No, it's, I think it's you know it's kind of hit and miss a little bit. Just you know how he's responding to treatment. And that kind of thing. And different different kids respond to treatment differently. And, you know, I think his is probably a little bit slower than, you know, some other people. But, you know, the, the one thing that I, sa- I said maybe last time on the podcast is, okay, let's just say, for instance, it's, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, February 1st. Let's just say we're looking at February 1st right now. If he comes back on February 15th, all right, um, or 10th, you know, conditioning-wise, where is he? And how quickly can he get into what I would say game shape, playing shape? Because, you know, he's been sitting for how many weeks now? Six, eight weeks almost. Um, you know, that's that's going to be the tough part is getting back into playing shape. And, you know, I'm sure he's been doing some stuff where he's not been, you know, running and all that kind of thing. Um, but that's a, that's a whole different ball game when you come back to play and you, you've been out that long and you're not in playing shape. So, again, I don't know when he's going to return and how effective he's going to be in his return just based on conditioning. Let's see. This one from Raiders 1967. Vanderbilt is shooting 67% from the free throw line. Opponents are shooting 72%. Any thoughts on the continued free throw shooting issues? <laughs> you know, no, that, there's no thoughts. We just, you know, we got it. We just, we got to get better. We have not been a very good free throw shooting team the last two years. I mean, think about it, Chris, you've, you've been at these games. I mean, last year against Tennessee, we hit our free throws 
the hook and hold thing on Grant Williams is a non-factor. We win the game. South Carolina, we missed 12 free throws, I think, last year. You know, um, against South Carolina, you know, a week ago, on Saturday, we missed 14 free throws. I mean, I'm not sure if that would have made that much difference, but if you're going to be competitive and you're going to get to the free throw line, you got to make your free throws. you got to shoot at least 70% or above as a team if you're going to win games, especially on the road, especially on the road. Um, but, you know, again, that's just – that's confidence. That's, you know – and I think that's where right now where we're lacking, not only at the free throw line, but, you know, from the perimeter – is we just we're lacking some confidence when we jump up to shoot the basketball and there's not a lot coaches can do about that you know kids gotta be mentally tough and you know step to the free throw line and make free throws when it you know when the game's on the line and it's critical um and, and i'm not sitting there saying that you know they're not practicing because i know they are and you just again you've got to get over that mental block um, and you got to step up to the line and, and make free throws. Papa Hick four VU asks, in your opinion, has Jordan Wright hit a wall? His confidence just seems to have taken a dive recently. Well, um, after the game last night, you know, Joe and I were talking about it on the air because Jordan didn't start and, and <clears throat> throughout the whole first half, he didn't play at all. And um, so I think he came in at the eight minute mark and when they got into the offense and he grabbed, he had the basketball and he had his foot on the sidelines and he turned it over and, you know, they took him out again and, and didn't let, didn't, didn't play. Him. And so Joe actually asked coach Stackhouse, um, you know, what was the reason for Jordan not playing because he's been getting, you know, quite a few minutes. And, um, you know, Coach Sackhouse said, you know, hey, he's, he's got to grow up. He's got to stop making mistakes. You know, he's at a point in his first year here that he can't continue to make the mistakes that he's making and for us to be effective and, and win basketball games. And, you know, Jerry said, you know, there's, there's only one way that I can, you know, remedy that. And that's, you know, set his tail on the bench. Let him think about it. And, you know, when he starts – not making as many mistakes and doing the things that the coaching staff asked him, he's going to get more minutes. That's what he said. So um, I'm not sure if it's hit a wall. I just think, again, that with Jordan, it's a confidence. If you look at his, his conference three point shooting, he's 0 for 18. He hadn't made an outside shot. And again, that's anytime you're in those kind of slumps, you're, you jump up and shoot that basketball and you don't think it's going in. And I think that's kind of where Jordan is right now from a confidence standpoint. Um, you know, I think he needs to understand, okay, let, if I'm not shooting the basketball well, I got to defend, I got to rebound, I got to set good screens, I got to, you know, help my teammates be better. And um, if he does that, he's he's going to get more minutes. Last one here, Tim. This from Vandy Fan 96 Tim, based on the season so far, recruiting, coaching, what you've seen, do you believe Coach Jerry Stackhouse will get Vandy back to consistent winning and competing for SEC and national relevance? Well, I mean, it all it all comes down to recruiting. You know, um, I think he can coach him when he gets him here. I just think, you know, this is their first year. They got a they got a late start on some recruiting, you know, last year. So again, I think 
a, another year, two years to see where they are, who they bring in <clears throat> from a talent standpoint um, is where we're going to have, you're going to have to be evaluated on. That's, that's, it is what it is. And um, I think Jerry understands that. I think Malcolm understands that. Um, because right now, if you look at our talent level, it's probably not where Coach Stackhouse wants it to be when you have to compete against Auburn and get better. You know, our, the current have to get better, and we've got to recruit. You know, we got to recruit better. Well, and to that, because I get asked on this all the time, I think here's the way it stands. You got David Grace, who's a very good recruiter and works very hard for them, but I don't think David's connections are really in the South. And then you got his other two assistants. One came from the NBA and the other one came from the high school ranks. And so those are guys that are out there that don't have recruiting connections and things like that and really aren't on the road that much. Um, it's just, I think when people talk about it, that's the thing that they're addressing, is it not? Yeah, that, that very well may be, you know. And again, you know, personally, I think, you know, you, you got to have multiple guys on the road, you know, recruiting in this league to get players. Um, and again, you know, that's, I think that's something that, you know, Coach Stackhouse is going to have to probably address um, and, you know, have, have more bodies out there <clears throat> on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I think this offseason will tell us a lot because Jerry – one thing about him, he's, he's not hurting for intelligence, and so I'm really anxious to see how he reshuffles the deck and what next year might look like. Yeah, and, and, and the thing about it is, I mean, we, we've all been, you know, first year in jobs. All of us have been, been there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that I think he's probably learning on the fly, and he's learning as game after game after game, and – you know, figuring out, you know, this, this is not working. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Like you say, he's a smart guy. And, you know, I think probably at the end of the season, he's going to, you know, kind of pull back and evaluate, you know, how he wants to do things and, you know, how it's going to be. And then there, there probably could be some changes. He is Tim Thompson, the color commentator for Vanderbilt basketball. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy sports podcast. Tim, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you again next week. All right, we'll see you. Bye.